Hello and welcome to, wait, is this my kink now? The spicy comedic podcast that brings four friends together every week to explore the sexiest, kinkiest, and strangest erotica and romance out there. Join us as Annie, our storyteller, shares her latest kinky discoveries. We aim to be an inclusive and not judgmental podcast. As four ladies with various identities, we respect everyone's personal preferences and strive to create a safe space for all listeners to explore female-centric sexuality in a fictional setting. However, we do want to acknowledge that while the subject matter we cover is fictional, it may be uncomfortable or triggering for some listeners. Our podcast is for 18 and over listeners only. We're so excited to announce that we're actually holding our first contest. Pedro Palerno has graciously reached out to us and asked if we would like to give back to our listeners by offering us a signed copy of the next installment in the Bubble Babes series. All I wanted was to become a rocket scientist, but now I've got an alien boyfriend. Second installment in this series comes out on June 1st, and it actually tells the story of Jesse and Graeth in their own out-of-this-world romance. Entering is really simple. Follow us on Wait Is This My Kink Now on Instagram. Follow Petra at Petra Palerno on Instagram. Leave a comment on our contest post recommending us a book that we should cover in the future on the podcast. And you know what? Tag all your friends for additional entries. Head to our Instagram to find out more and you get unlimited entries. So don't miss out. We're doing this from May 30th to June 6th. Get on it. It's Kinkstery! Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Kinkstery, where we go a little bit more and do a deep dive of this book. Sorry, that was, that was, that was Percy. He's still meowing. Take it away, Scarlett! Welcome back, folks. This week we read The Detective Duke, which I am almost done. I'm like 84% done, so I'm really, really close. Um, and I enjoyed it greatly. There was some fun little flourishes in the writing. I know, Let's I'm dying like to know your thoughts. I haven't read a historical yeah. romance in so long. And so I was like, the writing was so flowery. And I was like, is this normal or not? I oh my God. Is. I don't know. It was amazing. It was a lot, but like in the most amazing extra way possible. Um, yeah, I think it was, I, I rarely read historical romances, even though I love like a period piece in a movie. And I think it's because I think they're cheesy. And then reading it, like, yeah, there's some cheesiness, but in the best way. So you mm-hmm. might have turned me on to a yeah. whole new genre here. Anything. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was like, oh, I need to read some more historical romance because this is so fun. It was it was a lot of fun. So the theme for this week is Victorian erotica. Woo! Yes, love it. So I was debating that or like a detective noir trope because this really played into that with his like dark alleys and like, you know, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But that was like a little too pro cop. So we're doing like corsets and phoning. <laughs> Good. All comes about it. And then because Victorian era like isn't really a, a kink in the way that some of our other books are, like I created another fun little quiz Um and I wrote here because I really enjoyed our werewolf quiz. And then everyone in the <laughs> chat came at me about how hard the werewolf quiz was. It was and so I did hard. It was yeah, yeah. Kate did, did it because she succeeded at this quiz. <laughs> I did not. 
and it was really difficult for me. You did it either. Don't look shocked. I think we need to go back to the recording because I don't think anyone succeeded at this quiz. <laughs> like, what? She was Not like, succeeding. what 18th century author <laughs> first coined the phrase werewolf? <laughs> I was like, no one knows. I took your advice and did an easy quiz. I'm so excited fun. to nail this okay. thing. Good, good, good. Um, so basically, Victorians are generally known for being extremely prudish, conservative, and morally rigid. Uh, there's like all these myths, and they are myths, about like piano legs being too sexy. So people needing to cover them up so men didn't see them. That didn't actually happen in Victorian times, but it's like become kind of an urban myth about how conservative they were. Um, but simultaneously, the Victorians were absolutely obsessed with sex. There are two main concrete non-sexy historical reasons for kind of this moralization of sex in the public sphere in the Victorian era. What are these two non-sexy actual historical reasons to discourage people from having sex? Like what they, What did they tell people would happen to them or? What actually happened? Oh, hygiene, uh, STIs. Yeah. Okay. You're all, yeah, it's syphilis. It, oh, yeah. syphilis in particular. Go. And yeah. religion? No, mm. I, no like something a concrete that actual reason. Oh, uh, why they were You will get pregnant sex. and you will die. Yeah, death from pregnancy? <laughs> yeah, super, super fucking high uh, maternal mortality rate, which was... Not uh, shocking. Currently, it's 9 out of 100,000, which still seems high, but that's the, the current ratio and then during the Victorian era, it was one out of every 200 women died. Yeah, um, that's quite a few. Shit. Which is, yeah, a pretty high ratio. Um, however, these two things, and no matter how much people harped about them, did not mean that Victorians stopped having sex because the Victorians were horny. So horny, in fact, that there was a very high ratio of sex workers in London over the Victorian period. Question number two. Noting that the current ratio of sex workers to men in London is one sex worker for every 906 men. What do you think that ratio was during the Victorian era? Okay, so I know you won't know this, but just like guess a number. One to 250. That's my guess. Okay. Uh, I want to say like two to every five men. Because Whoa, women, women didn't work back then. Scale. So you, but I'm that's like that's like almost one every lady. To every five, one to every fifty men. <laughs> okay, all right. We have two to five, one to fifty, and one to two fifty are the final answers. Okay, and, be and better not be prices right rules. <laughs> it's not, and I don't understand that reference. I'm too young. Oh, um, so <laughs> fuck off! Prices right is still on TV. <laughs> That was the most K reaction to that. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot um, be too young. Bob Barker is still alive. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm so young compared to you guys, though. Uh huh. Yeah. Hey, Barbie, I'm, having, baby. I'm, I'm very stressed about my 30th birthday coming up. You're Anyways. a little fetus. You're a little fetus, baby. I'm I know. Fine. I'm so youthful. Okay. The actual <laughs> ratio was one sex worker for every 34 men in the city. Oh, okay. So I it is pretty really low. Nope. Well, Price is Right rules. K would have won. <laughs> No, yeah. we're not playing Price is Right rules. <laughs> I win. So for okay. context, um, it is estimated from like what records they have that during the Victorian era, there were as many as 80,000 sex workers in London at one time in the 1890s. 
And today's right. estimates show that there is roughly that same number of sex workers, so 72,800 in the entire UK. Um, Whoa. That's crazy. Whoa. Yeah. So sex work was very popular in the Victorian era while also being, you know, socially marginalized by the same people who benefited from it. How does this connect to our podcast? Well, Victorians were likely the first large-scale producers and consumers of pornographic materials, including smutty writing and, for the first time ever, pornographic photographs. Pornography was very widespread in the Victorian era. Following a government crackdown on subversive print in the 1810s, maverick publishers diverted their revolutionary impulses into lucrative pornography. So there was this really famous area of London called Hollywell Street, uh, and it basically was just like chock full of like horny bookshops. Everyone in the UK government was freaking out about this. And so they passed the like 1857 Obscene Publications Act, um, which literally did nothing to halt the business. It just drove it underground. And in fact, it might have increased the popularity of pornographic materials. Um, There were two basic categories of the time in which the erotica of the time fell. So... Um, like sexual desire was implied, um, basically kind of like a closed door romance now, or just like blatantly pornographic even today, full sausage, etc. Okay, love it. Uh, question three: One of the most famous residents of Hollywell Street was William Dugdale, uh, and he was like a prolific publisher of dirty books, and he would often just like steal chapters from other books and like rebind them or say he wrote them, and like no one could stop him. The passing of the 19 or the 1857 Obscene Publications Act meant that he had to operate under at least four fake names that they found and from several different addresses to continue selling pornography, which he successfully did. How did he manage to get out of a jail term while in court one time? Did he bribe someone with some of his his wares? <laughs> no, think crazier. Molotov oh. cocktails, Cinderella style. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What did he do? He threatened the jury with a knife. Oh, oh shit. Like, these people were not fucking around <laughs> with all of their... And then they were just like, okay, not guilty, I guess. Yeah, I like, I I'm mean, unclear, but basically right. they, they didn't manage to catch him for like years and years and years. So if you visited in the 1890s, you would see a range of titillating titles. And all of these are amazing. So I've, I've pulled a couple of my favorites. The Power of Mesmerism, a highly erotic narrative from 1891. Um, the Seducing Cardinal from 1830. The Lustful Turk from 1864. Ooh, that's that's Turk. a very popular one where they did like photo recreations of it and stuff. Captain Stroke All's Pocketbook from 1844. Oh spelled like stroke space. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, yeah. Um, there are some good Victorian puns. Oh, yeah. An experimental lecture by Colonel Spanker from 1878. The amatory amatory experiences of a surgeon from 1881. Um, Also, revelries, exclamation mark, and devilries, exclamation mark, from 1867. (laughs) And, okay, I tried to practice the pronunciation of this with my partner's help for the podcast. I think I'm going to fuck that, but I'll try. The Pearl, a journal of facetia and voluptuous readings and that was a, a pornographic magazine that was published and delivered regularly in london Love so it. yeah it's a really famous early porn book um lady chapter's victorian no fanny hill fanny hill oh 1748 yeah holy okay shit. so yeah it's earlier i was gonna say there i remember they 
when like Marie Antoinette was in, people would make pornographic images of her and like people got super rich off of doing that and you could like request it who to, who would be like doing her and stuff i love it yeah they were like they were so kinky drawings though I, it's just it's weird to me that like the era that we most associate with like policing of sexuality is the era that was also like kind of the horniest anyway but know, i think man. but i think that's like what we would i think we think of both you know like yeah like the suppressed. very upturned yeah suppressed the, the sexually mm. suppressed Victorian. I, the victorians to sense. me are like the weirdest fucking people because they did stuff like teeth jewelry and like hair jewelry and like they were all about like photographing themselves with their dead bodies like they were yeah. some weird morbid people so of I course know, they're into it. the, it's the weird kinky stuff but they have yeah maybe that's it they had such a like socially accepted comfort with death like Victorians were like a very death positive society. They were like talking about it. They were memorializing it. They spent time with their dead, you know, and it's interesting that they were so like open about that. And then so socially rigid about sexuality, but I guess Kay's right. Maybe they're related. Anyways, I think it's interesting. Okay. So often the pornography, um, it's usually a woman who was the object of desire. And then- they, there's a real connection between um, upstanding women being portrayed as erotic in like the domestic sphere and in the home and the other object of desire, the fallen woman being erotic or sexual in like a non-domestic place. So like somewhere public, like an alley or whatever. And then normally the plots of this was that the fallen woman um, had to be needed to be rescued from her vices and like reformed mm-hmm. into an upstanding member of society. So question four, what was a popular way of reforming these fallen women in Victorian erotic literature? I'm thinking of like my fair lady. <laughs> <laughs> the right, it's fine. fine. Um, would they marry them? I don't know. I was thinking like they would like probe them or something. I was going to say some Freudian thing where they, they like. Yeah. Oh, would they give them orgasms? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Like they Hysteria. would do, like the doctor did that before, right? Like, is that a thing? Sort of. Okay. Victorians were very into flagellation. All they wanted was to whip and spank, like mm. everybody. Oh, of so, okay. Yeah. So that's when, and it's this was like extremely common. Apparently, like even now, we I think we have like, for lack of a better word, like more mainstream romance novels, and then stuff with kink in it is like labeled as a kink book or like has to have something on it whereas whipping in the victorian era or whatever was just like all across the board like everything's probably gonna have that in it so i just thought that was interesting sort of on the the theme of oppression there was also a ton of gay erotica available for the first time so the sins of the cities of the plain or the recollections of mary ann aka the longest title ever uh, was an explicitly homosexual novel written and published in 1881 anonymously, but still published. And the novel was inspired by John Saul, who was an Irish male sex worker who was involved in a homosexual scandal in Dublin in 1884. Ooh, um, a scandal. A scandal. Also, School Life in Paris from 1897 was a book made from, and they're not sure whether it was fictional or not, but a compilation of letters from a young British girl who was boarding at a finishing school in Paris um, and sending letters to her cousin in England. These letters are erotically descriptive, especially of clothing, and describes her mistress as handsome. Um, they also include explicit scenes in which the main character 
uh, is like initiated into the school's lesbian society. And they use they use the term lesbian. So which is interesting because there's a ton of different terms used for different sexual things that are quite different from today. But lesbian is consistent. Lesbianism is forever. (laughs) I was just watching my wife do a really good butt show. Wow. How on theme. Thank you to our editor for also (laughs) providing thematic support. To wrap up, I will I will just like provide a quick summary of another striking book, which is The Horn Book or A Girl's Guide to Knowledge of Good and Evil from 1899. Like a lot of erotic literature, they really like dialogue. So it would often be between like a teacher and like a, a student. Um, that shit is still good. Yeah, not not necessarily. No, it's like, a, like a manners manual. Oh, like it's like giving situations like if you're a proper lady, you do this kind of thing. Like it's a. It's how to teach young women to be good, isn't it? Oh, um, not this one. <laughs> okay, okay. There, there is one coming up. Just like okay. for the closing um, quote, but this one is like this one's a sexy book, and they love okay. like like written like a script basically. So there would be like a teacher and student, not necessarily like in a schoolroom scenario, but like a sexual teacher and a sexual. Okay, student. yeah, no, that's what I was saying. That's okay. and like a. Or like a dom sub type thing. So it was it was all very kinky. So this one was a dialogue between a bored housewife and her sexual tutor, Charlie, a brilliantly healthy and libidinous 28-year-old. Um, and basically it's it's a story of her sexual awakening, but it's also like a sex manual for users. Uh, so kind of like the Kama Sutra, I guess, like, you know, a million years later. Um, so it's divided up into instructive sections on the male and female um, sexual organ- organs, intercourse, masturbation, sodomy, gamma hooching, or oral sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And of course, oh no, that's gross. Let's get that. Okay. Charlie and Maude demonstrate 63 different sex positions in the book, including dog fashion flying, the sack of corn backwards, the oh. cock horse. And the elastic <laughs> cunt. I want to know what oh! all of these look like. The elastic cunt sounds painful. <laughs> Sack of corn backwards. I feel Can like K should draw little stick figures of what these <laughs> these positions look like. Sack of corn backwards, but it's literally just a sack of corn. <laughs> That's clearly like they're standing up and she's like opposite, right? And he has to hold her up like a sack of corn. There's reverse grinding the corn. When you Google um, sack of corn backwards, there's just a lot of pictures of sacks of corn. corn. (laughs) So there's this website called Christian Friendly Sex Positions. Good. This one's called Grinding grinding the Corn Sex Position, and it's just missionary. I think that the that the girl has to like be in a sack of corn. Like I feel like they like they empty out the sack of corn of the corn, then she gets in there. And then there's a little hole that they have to cut, and then the, and then the guy is like, oh. and then just goes like like what you would normally do, but she is yeah. the sack of corn. Yeah, I fully agree. Sure, it's some not? options for all of the rural Victorians who had corn sacks lying around. Like you they know, definitely had everyone had a corn sack lying Sex around. That's as much. Sure hotter when a corn sack is involved everybody knows that and you can quote us on that (laughs) so just to wrap up i really like this quote from a victorian lady's guide to life a best-selling book of the time by elsef mar where her advice to women is so this is like a stuffy victorian 
guidebook Man- for young ladies. Manage manual. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And her, her advice is, your nakedness is the work of God, the creator. Let men admire it and grow religious between the sheets. Fuck yeah. Detective Duke, USA Today bestselling author Scarlett Scott writes steamy Victorian and Regency historical romances with strong, intelligent heroines and sexy alpha heroes. She lives in Pennsylvania with her Canadian husband. They're adorable, identical twins and one TV loving dog. A self-professed literary junkie and nerd, she loves reading anything, but especially romance novels, poetry, and Middle English verse. Um, Middle English is like an entirely different language. I had to take a whole class, and a lot of it was like deciphering Middle English. It was not great. Yeah. Uh, Michael did too, and he still speaks it. Sometimes to be romantic. And he was pissed that the Green Knight wasn't in Middle English with subtitles, because he thought that would be great. Yeah. Sometimes he's normal, and then he'll say something like that. When she's not writing, reading, wrangling kids, or indulging in her inappropriate sense of humor, you can catch up with her in her reader group. So her, she has a whole Facebook group called Scarlet Scott's Sassy Readers, and you can join it if you want. So she has written 98 books. Whoa, prolific. Uh, she writes in, in anthologies, I guess, is like series. So yeah. she seems very attached to her sinful Suttons, which is like her big one that's going on right now. Ooh. And people really like those ones. And so she's got the Wicked Winters, the Notorious Ladies of London, the Sinful Suttons. Yeah, that sounds up my alley. And then we, w- we just read one of the League of Dukes. It seemed when I was going through the reviews, a lot of people came to this book because it's the first one in the series from the sinful sons so uh, sounds amazing yeah how many dukes can there be i just i want them all live in the same house and like have interactions with each other and be like league of extraordinary gentlemen exactly like that (laughs) or like the what a black dagger brotherhood or the monstrous books or Um, any werewolf smut yes the bonds that tie series that i'm very frustrated with right now and I'm 2.5 books in and I'm giving a break they all live in the same oh, and she's a reverse harem I do love, <gasps> love a reverse harem but anyways to so the reviews of this this book got 4.1 stars out of 3500 ratings and Whoa, 188 reviews so that's pretty good stats uh, but so we have I can't say this name A-O-U Oh. They gave it three stars, and they said, it's boring when everyone is perfect. <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> it's fair. Everyone is very perfect in this. But, but I, I like it. it when the dude is perfect. I just want the, the woman to be imperfect in, like, a straight smut novel, because then I can project myself onto her easier. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, then we have Lady Whitbrook, who gave it four stars, that says, I like Scarlet Scott, but this was not one of my favorites. It was worthy enough read, but four stars is generous. Plot, uh, one through ten, is her rating scale. It gets a 5.5, and steaminess oh gets gosh. an eight. Angela gave it five stars. And it says, let me tell you why I love this book. Scarlet does not let Elisande fall into the trap of big misunderstanding. Elisande is intelligent, faithful, and stands up for what is right. She did not pout or stomp her feet. I really like how Scarlet wrote her to be so strong and never flinch in her feelings. That, like, is a really good point, though. Because the amount of times there's, like, a 
a misunderstanding, which I, as the reader, am like, this is so dumb. Literally yeah. just use your words. Or like, this doesn't align with everything you know about this person. Why do you believe that? Like, that's frustrating as the reader. There is a book series called Her Royal Spinus, which Annie... <laughs> Annie got me obsessed with when I had an Mm -hmm. audible um and that is like literally every single book the exact same thing happens like the exact it's the same plot over and over and over again but I'm obsessed with it (laughs) in a different fun location (laughs) yes exactly they literally change locations the same plot (laughs) okay but that's like lovely and comforting and you go in knowing that that will be the case totally yeah like okay i i added that to my good reads i'm excited <laughs> and then we fo- follow with peggy who gave it one star oh, and peggy. peggy peggy i don't know what she thought when she was getting into this book because you look at that cover and you're like that's gonna be a romance novel oh, peggy no. says ruined with sex scenes <laughs> It would have been a better story if it didn't include the frequent exaggerated sex scenes. Not my kind of author. Oh, no. <laughs> sex your kind scenes. of author. Goodreads gives you the option of like filtering by star. So like if you click on one, it shows you all the one star reviews, right? Yeah. All the one star reviews were like, I didn't like the sex scenes. I didn't appreciate the sex scenes. And it's like, what kind? What did you think you were getting when you Ugh. looked at this book? Rudes. I guess I feel like also another reason I haven't read much historical romance is because a lot of it is like closed is doors and not super spicy. It's you know like a lot of longing glances and stuff, and I want the boning in graphic mm. details. I will say that I found this book through a dirty Facebook group. And it's a dirty Facebook group, specifically historical romance with three oh. or more sex scenes in it. Because <laughs> a lot of people have that problem where they want to read smutty romance. I'm now looking at the other one star reviews and there's someone that says thinly veiled porn, disgusting pornographic scenes, barely strung together with a thin plot. I like mysteries, romance and historical novels. It's disappointed in all those genres. Which again, oh, what, what do you think you're reading? I'm like imagining like, like Jill Rodriguez picking up like a historical book being like, this is going to be a nice <laughs> story of a Victorian <laughs> duke. And then she's like, oh, that got a Lana snort. But yeah, that's that's it for all the reviews that I wanted to highlight. So overall, what did you think? Are you thinking this is your kink now? I don't know, Scarlett. Yes, absolutely. This is the first one where I'm like wholeheartedly, heartedly, no reservations spared. I love uh, period drama. I want like corsets and petticoats and like social responsibilities, adding tension to the plot. And I loved it. Uh, I would rate it five out of five electric frying pans. I also really enjoy actually earlier, Scarlett, when you were mentioning like the longing looks, I do Mm. enjoy that. I do enjoy like a a, a slow burn I guess yeah a slow burn a but Bridgerton also like, yeah a, a bridge oh my god Bridgerton yeah especially season right. two where I'm rating it out of five I like Tim I like a big a big man doing man things you do uh, love a big man doing man things so maybe I would say like let's say four out of five because I wasn't too into the whole murder plot this is definitely not my cup of tea I, I like, knew that I'm was not really I know. I'm just like I'm not really it was into the whole too consensual. Thing. 
It was too concerning. <laughs> no, I mean probably, but I think I it's mean a little, the, a little. It's yeah, the period piece part of it's it. It's the period piece love. for me. Yeah. Like I just, I'm not super into that that type of thing. I loved the murder. Like that's what really brought it around for me. Was I was like, oh, here we go. Um, and I like the like the detectiveness of it. So I'm gonna give it. I'll give it like one point five fingies out of five. No. <laughs> <laughs> the thing you lips on. God about the thing. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> um well, I loved this book and I was surprised by how much I liked it because historical romance is not generally my go-to, but I think it's because of their relationship it gave me such warm fuzzies mm. like I just loved them together and I thought that was great and I loved the like few moments of like Bab Duke and Duchess couple going to solve a murder like that was very fun for me so I had a lot of elements that I loved but like in terms of is this my kink now yes and no yes I think so like the kind of strong more experienced man I'm into mm. and uh, very him bossy. being yeah, and him being really like strong and masculine outside of the relationship, but then being very like loving and like emotional inside of the relationship is something I really enjoy. So yeah, I would say definitely those parts are my kink now for sure. But like the book as a whole isn't like my erotic kink. Yes, agreed. I loved it overall. I'm very happy I read it and I am excited for next week next week is pretty different from this it's a kink that we definitely have not covered yet and i think Ooh. it's one that is going to be a bit divisive i found it divisive Ooh. while reading it i had i kind of came in and out of it whether i was into it or not so i'm excited Ooh. to see what you guys think that's not a hint <laughs> uh, maybe okay like like let's end the podcast here and then i have a question Official end, uh, Kelsey. No, we have to do oh, an good outro. Job. Good try. <laughs> we have to do our outro. That's just it. That's it. <laughs> Join us again next week when I will be reading yet another story and describing it in detail to my besties. But for now, thank you for listening to. Wait, Wait is, is this, this my now? I, I I vote that we do not do this all together. <laughs> no. Oh, no, 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 no,